moment we are going to hear uh, the word from our great God as it comes to us from the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. But before, I want to do a bit of business. I have a message from this, uh, as a matter of fact, this will be the fifth message from this chapter. Uh, When I finish this chapter, we will be finishing at least this journey. It's been on and off, more on and off for a couple of years in the Gospel of John. I'm doing everything I can not to uh, leave this wonderful Gospel, this wonderful treasure. I, uh, I have a message on a checklist for faith, and it's right here in the text. You're going to hear it. Uh, how can your annual checkup for your faith, uh, your regular checkup, be evaluated? Uh, Jesus asked questions about love and about our willing to extend ourselves for him and to follow him. You'll hear that in the text. But I have a long introduction to it. I've got three points to the introduction. And as I was sitting up here, I said, you know, there's some other things that we ought to do in this service. We are going to pray for our new watch care members, Tim and Jen and Ashley and uh, Taylor and Andrew with them as they go off. This is their last Sunday with us this time. Uh, Tim and Jen, not to put some pressure on you, but if you would be willing to address the church just briefly, I will uh, cut my message in half and we'll hear from the 21st chapter of John next week. Would you be willing to speak to the church towards the end of the service as, as we come together and pray for you? Just share with us uh, what you're going to be off to do and how we can pray for you. Good. Here's an introduction. But uh, as we get ready for that, let's hear God's word as it comes to us from the 15th to the 22nd verses of the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, you love me. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. And Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, I want him to remain alive until our return. This is God's word. Father, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
Well, as I have already said this week and now next is the end of our journey through the Gospel of John. We've traveled together through what is quite simply one of the greatest gifts God has ever given the world. At the beginning of our journey together, I quoted what Martin Luther said about the book, Never in my life have I read a book written in more simple words that is yet more inexhaustibly profound. Simple on the surface, yet it gives us a window into nothing less than the very life of God himself. Verse 31 of the last chapter, of the 20th chapter, tells us exactly why John wrote the book. He says, I wrote the book that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John uses that word believe 99 times. The book is written that we might believe that the eternal Son of God became a man, lived on this earth and proved it with his resurrection. Jesus is writing that we might believe that Jesus, who is the Christ, is not merely a man or a prophet or a Jewish king, but the eternal, everlasting, ever-loving Son of God, truly God, truly man. This book is written so that people might have faith not in themselves, not in the future, Not in Mother Earth, not in nature, but in Jesus Christ. One of the marks of modern life, I would argue, broadly speaking, is that we as a society, we as a culture, have lost faith in much of anything greater than ourselves, in anything transcendent. So what we as a society often recommend in its place is a kind of belief in something else. Perhaps most recently it's nature or earth or a kind of faith in faith. There's a tendency to look at faith as kind of an end in itself. The film Chariots of Fire was a justifiably well-received movie in my youth. It won the Academy Award in 1981. Those of you who have some years on you, can you believe that that was 33 years ago? I remembered it for the stalwart faith it portrayed of its central character, the Christian missionary and Olympic runner Eric Liddell, the flying Scotsman. This past week, I watched it again for the first time in decades. It's a wonderful film. And a strong Christian witness shines through it. It is evident throughout the film. I don't believe, as far as I know, it was written to be a Christian film, but just by telling the story with a bit of faithfulness to it, the faithfulness of Littell shines through. But despite that, I was struck on this viewing by how weak was the one sermonic moment that was actually given the character of Eric Liddell in the film. In that particular scene, Liddell speaks at at an evangelistic rally following a race. The rain is pouring down, and the stalwart crowd earnestly listens to him under umbrellas. 
at what could have been, I think, a particularly stirring and meaningful moment. The film has Liddell intone these lines. I want to compare faith to running in a race. It's hard. It requires concentration of the will, energy of the soul. You experience elation when a winner breaks the tape, especially if you've got a medal. But how long does that last? You go home. You haven't got dinner. Maybe you haven't got a job. So who am I to say to you, believe, have faith in the face of life's realities? I would like to give you something more permanent, but I can only point the way. I have no formulas. Everyone runs in his own way. Where does the power come from to see the race through to the end? Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, of course, Jesus never actually said that. That's one of the poorest translations that has ever been used in Scripture. The better translation is the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near you. So rather than being a statement about our capacities or our inner power, it is a statement about Christ, his strength, and the gift he offers standing before us. After watching the film, I obviously ran down the screenplay. That's how, that's not how I got those words, but that's how I tried to get those words. I did run down the screenplay and I found that the original screenplay's lines were strikingly different. Here's the way screenwriter Colin Willard wrote it. Is not life like a race? A serious business. A concentration of will and energy of soul. There is no place for the half-hearted, the faint-hearted. Life is a challenge. But we will be attacked from within ourselves and without ourselves, but God will give us strength. He will be our guide. That's considerably better. And I suspect that those are Liddell's own words. It turns out that the film's signature line, God made me fast, and when I run I feel his pleasure, are Liddell's words. But whether this sermon is his words or not, it is considerably better. In this version, faith is not faith in itself. It looks beyond itself to God, his gift, his strength. I wondered why there had been a change in what we saw in the film and what uh, screenwriter Welland had written. It seems that the actor playing Eric Liddell, Ian Charlson, asked if he could rewrite the speech to his own liking. And so he did. And so we are left with, at least at that moment, not an explicitly Christian message. The strong God will be our strength, he will be our guide, is replaced by the more modest, if more accurately 20th century line, who am I to say believe? I have no formulas. Everyone runs in his own way. 
Now, John had confidence that he was someone to say, believe. John wrote his entire gospel that we might believe, not in ourselves, but in Christ. So I wanted to see if I could find an example of someone who was marinated, who was steeped deeply in belief and faith, to see if we could get better than even a late 20th century screenwriter's good attempt to define it. D.L. Moody was a man of faith that changed two continents. And I found a short quote in which this man who lived his life so close to Christ said so much. First of all, he writes, uh, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not come down. Then one day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up to this time prayed for faith and kept my Bible closed. I now opened my Bible and began to study. And faith has been growing ever since. Listen to the difference between D.L. Moody's recommendations and actor Ian Charlson's rewriting of the script of Eric Liddell, Moody does have a formula for faith. And here it is. Marinate your life. Steep your soul in scripture. Let it wash over you. Faith didn't come down to him like lightning, even when he prayed for it. Faith comes by hearing. Moody goes on after that uh, Recommendation, that formula, if you will, for, fill, for, for faith, with a definition. Real, true faith, he says, is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. I think that's worth repeating. Real, true faith is humanity's weakness leaning on God's strength. And as if that formula... And as if that definition weren't enough, Moody makes some careful distinctions in kinds of faith we can experience as we journey on life's way. All this in a text really as short as Liddell's sermon. There are three kinds of faith in Christ, says Moody. First, struggling faith. Struggling faith is the faith of a person who finds him or herself in deep water and has desperately to swim. I know many of you, many of us know what it is to find yourself in deep, turbulent, overwhelming waters. Some of you are there now. And faith is a desperate struggle, but the alternative is to drown. That's struggling faith. After the death of his daughter, John Claypool wrote, uh, What in my youth, in circles I traveled in, was kind of a famous sermon. Quoting from Isaiah, he said, We all would like to soar on the wings of eagles. And we can understand the pleasure that would come from running and not growing weary. But sometimes... Sometimes it is all we can ask for and all we can expect. 
to walk and not grow faint. That's struggling faith. Then Moody says there is clinging faith, struggling faith and clinging faith. Clinging faith, he writes, is like a man hanging to the side of a boat. Three days, Stephanie and I were on the Truckee River in one of those big, fat, lazy uh, rafts going down a very mild river, but occasionally there uh, is turbulence. Really, the rocks are more difficult than the turbulence. They run you into it. And the most difficult part of all, (laughs) at the very end of the three hours, it's not horrible rapids by any manner of means, but they are strong enough, and you have to get to the right, and everything about it pushes you to the left. So really, I and almost everyone, we overshot the landing, and you have to go back and find some relatively shallow water and work your way back upstream. Well, one of the other rafts capsized, and we felt about uh, 10 feet tall that well, we were able to go over and rescue one of the people, not really rescue, but just, hey, just cling onto the side. He got a handhold, and uh, we felt wonderful. We, our existence had been uh, validated for that time. But, of course, then we had, in our big bulky raft, had to fight our way back upstream and against all of the rapids. And after a while, our, uh, our clinger saw the difficulty we were happy, having, figured he could do better on his own and let go and swam onto the shore by himself. I thought of calling out, hey, would you mind towing us in? But uh, clinging faith, it holds on to something else. And then uh, Moody says, there's resting faith. Resting faith is like a person who is safely within the boat and able able to reach out with a hand to help someone else get in. Resting faith. Somewhere, some film, some motto has been shared. You know, we we can't pay back some people, but we can pay forward. We can pay ahead. We can do it to others, but we can also tell their stories. And uh, I want to name the name of Charles Burnside, Austin, Texas. He was a man who uh, pulled me in. There are people in your life, and I challenge you to think about them this day, people whose resting faith, whose strong faith was big enough not just for you to cling to, but to pull you in, pull you alongside when you were struggling, when you went through some turbulent Waters, resting faith, by God's grace, may he lead you to that kind of place where your faith is strong enough that others can not only cling to it, but you can pull them in. I wanted to find an example of that, so I, uh, I looked at some of the writings of Eric Liddell. What, uh, what outside of that screenplay and that script, what might he have said about his faith that was so strong that an Academy Award winning movie could be made of it. And I've taken these excerpts from his book, The Discipline of the Christian Life. Here's Eric Liddell's faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator, infinitely holy and loving, who has a plan for the world, a plan for my life, and daily work for me to do. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as example, Lord and Savior. I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
who is able to guide my life so that I may know God's will and I am prepared to allow him to guide and control my life. This is resting faith. I believe in God's law that I should love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind, and with all my strength and my neighbor as myself. I believe it is God's will. That the whole world should be without any barriers of race or color or class or anything else that breaks the spirit of fellowship. To believe means to believe with a mind and heart to accept and to act accordingly on that with all that one has and is. That is resting faith. It is that kind of belief, not belief in belief itself, not faith in faith, not faith in my inner power to see things through to the end, but faith in Jesus Christ, which is the ends for which John wrote this gospel, that reading it, we might believe and able to have a faith with struggles and clings and rests in the Christ who is Lord of all. Living and holy God, we are thankful that one of the, your great gifts to us is the gift of faith. We don't even need to depend on our own strength to reach out to you. Faith is part of your great gift of life. Father, I pray that all within the sound of my voice, all that those in this room love, might come to know you truly and deeply and savingly as the beloved apostle, as the author of the book of John, wrote his book that we might believe. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.